amazing. Hi guys. Hey, hey there. I want to make a video series of us playing Five Nights at Freddy. We do not qualify for ad <laughs> Welcome back to Babble. Hey guys. Hello. I'm in oh, bed. Oh, I forgot to... <laughs> Hold on. Let me prop this thing up so it can actually hear me. Oh. I am feeling lazy. It is currently almost 10 o'clock on a Thursday that we're recording this. Because we're busy girls. We're cutting it close on this one, but... That's okay. Hello. Welcome back to Babble. I'm Lucy. I'm Amelia. Thank you guys for coming back. Yeah, if you'd like to support us, you can follow us on Spotify, any of the platforms, rate us. We also opened up listener support, um, as well as we do ads now. Please no one be mad. No one be mad at us for that. We put them at like the very beginning or the very end. So it's not going to be like, like, I'm sorry. I know. I, I know ads are annoying, but like. We work so hard and we're trying to make some money. Also, that's very exciting because you have to meet some qualifications and they had to like review our podcast and stuff. That was so So cool. cool. We're very excited. It's like we didn't even think we would get that far. So I know, especially within like the first month. Yeah. Well, like when we talked about starting it, like my whole thing was I keep joking like we're going to we're going to blow up so much and we're going to get sponsored (laughs) and have ads and be monetized. And like that happened. I mean, we I mean, we're not famous or like blowing up. We're not famous or sponsored, but we do have ads. It's still like it doesn't need to be that big of a thing. It's just like super exciting for us. So thank you guys. I'm super excited about it. So thank you for listening. (laughs) <laughs> listen listen all the way through those ads you can yeah. turn the volume down it's yeah. okay it's listen okay. to the episode like 10 times in a day just turn down so we get paid <laughs> for everyone <laughs> i will say um i was listening to one one podcast and they had ads on and they were kind of talking about how they were getting like listeners were getting ads for like really right-wing like propaganda stuff why and I was, so i'm a I don't know, but, like, their podcast is, like, the complete opposite of that, and so I'm, like, nervous, because I don't know if we get to choose what ads are in there. I don't think we get to. So, I'm a little nervous, but... We'll have to listen and see. Yeah, I feel like Spotify ads, though, are just, like, for products. We have an interesting topic today. We do. But before we get into that, do you want to talk about what you've been listening to reading watching yes um i've been watching mindhunter and by have been watching i started it two hours ago what is that (laughs) it's on netflix it's like a fbi crime show where like they're really trying to find out it's fictional for the for the most part i think actually that could be a complete lie i don't know uh it's kind (laughs) of true crime ish um, and Jonathan Groff plays the main FBI. Oh, dude. really? Yeah, it's kind of weird. I'm trying to picture his face in my head. Hamilton. Was he in that, um, was he in a recent Cabin scary movie? Yeah. Cabin in the Woods. That was him? That okay. was him. Um, yeah, no, it's pretty good. I'm in the middle of Did episode Did you ever see that two. movie? No. Should I? I didn't, I didn't see it either. Maybe we should both watch it and do a little review. We should. We could do it next week. 
yeah okay um i've been playing the last of us which lucy is absolutely this is my dream come true like okay i've convinced a lot of people to watch the show i haven't gotten anyone to play the game yet just because if you don't have a ps4 or 5 if you don't have a playstation you're gonna spend a lot of money to play a game so no one's done it and i'm so happy do you guys did oscar already have one yeah he already had one we just okay that's so cool um yeah no and neither of you like knew anything about it no i did know what happens in the very beginning i won't spoil for the listeners but i was like oh yeah this person's done and he thought i was joking and then 10 minutes later he was like oh my god you weren't kidding (laughs) that's about all i know i really really want to watch the show when we're up there i think there's a part that's not in the game that's in one of the episodes and it's like my favorite episode and i'm so okay. excited we'll have to watch it um but no Homework we're at the part for the listeners as well yeah bill just showed up um i had to fight the zombies what? upside down yeah you guys got far fast did we see it's yeah. really funny because he plays a lot of video games i do not so i mean we're both kind of learning the game because like controls mm-hmm. and stuff but it's also not a two-player game so like we kind yeah. of just take turns but i like just watching so it doesn't bother me but mm-hmm. there are times i'll be in the middle of like trying to fight people and i just throw the controller at him i'm like do it <laughs> um it gets really stressful but also like <laughs> whenever it's my turn it takes me like 10 minutes to get through one room or like one <laughs> like because i'm just do you like, like have to stop and collect all the supplies and stuff yeah i have to do that to inspect every single room make sure i'm not missing anything i have to do that and i also just need to like think about what i'm doing Mm -hmm. especially when i realize there are like bad guys around i like need to stop and be like okay here's my like whatever yeah Um, especially when like when they come out of nowhere and there are a lot of them it really stresses me out it's honestly it's really fun though this is my first like real video game that i've played and Mm -hmm. it is really fun i'm playing the last of us 2 right now just you wait until you get done with that game because the second one the graphics are so much clearer are they which is a plus because i get to see my love ellie um in like hd but also like the infected look so much scarier so when they're really coming at you like i'm a lot more tense and on edge during the second game um anyway moving on music wise um i've been listening to a lot of muna mm-hmm. sammy is my go-to comfort artist um new album from the japanese house in the end it always does really good oh is that the one with the blue circle on the front yes it is okay i've seen a bunch of people um talk talking about it it's really good um my favorites are touching yourself sad to breathe uh, morning pages which features muna um <gasps> and boyhood all very good songs um and then i'm currently i just started elliot page's memoir i mentioned last time that i was reading a riley sager thriller and I have since finished that book. And I need to share most of the details of this book with everyone. But first, <laughs> I'm going to let Lucy go. Because okay, I won't take 
I'll try not to take too much time on it, but oh my gosh, guys, please. It was so bad. Anyway. Okay, I'll be quick. Um, All of the shows that I really like are like in between seasons right now, so I don't really have much to watch. I've just been watching YouTube. I've been listening to Dan Reader still, the Barbie soundtrack. <laughs> Is that I'm out? I'm so excited for the movie. There are some of the songs are out right now. Uh, also, speaking um, of Taylor's version tonight. Yes, I'm so... Oh, I, I can't think about it for too long or else I'll like explode, but did you see that better than... Better than revenge, the words are changed. I did see that, yeah. Which I don't know how I feel about I, that. I have mixed feelings. Right. Because on one <laughs> side, feminism, but on the other side, she wants to own her music and stay true to her music and herself. I've seen a lot of like interesting perspectives on it. We'll see. Um, I've been listening to Claro's like recorded at Electric Lady like live studio album. Yeah. That one's really good. That's pretty much it. I've been listening to The Police a good bit. I love The Police. Um, um, but yeah, I do need to mention mine again. Um, <laughs> so it's called That House Across the Lake by Riley Sager. It's like a thriller. Mm-hmm. Just kind of, we we're talking like very cliche. And I was, just, I was pretty far in when we talked about it last time. It's taken me, it takes me like two weeks to read a single book these days, which is like kind of sad, but whatever. I'm doing my best. Um yeah. Anyway, so I was, like, 50 or 60% of the way. I also, like, I was reading it on my Kindle, and it always, like, says the percentage and also, like, how much time you have left in the book. So I'll, like, say, mm-hmm. like, oh, I only have, like, two hours left. And people are, like, what are you talking about? Anyway. Um, <laughs> That's nice, though. I love looking really at stats nice. like that. I'll tell you, like, how much time you have in a chapter, too. So, like, if I want to start something, but it's, like, 20 minutes left in chapter, and I, like, don't want to do that much, I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's nice. Anyway, um, so I got, so, okay, I don't even know where to start with this. Essentially, it is about this woman who's, like, she was, like, a stage actress, and her mom was a very famous actress as well, um, and they have this, like, they have, like, okay, so they're, like, famous, right? And they have... Mm -hmm this house in vermont on the lake and she kind of grew up there um but flash forward to the present her husband drowned in that lake um this sounds like a southern folklore story but wait (laughs) okay (laughs) her husband drowned in the lake and he died and it was very very sad and so she's, like, an alcoholic and not doing well at all. And her mom, like, she got fired from her jobs and, like, she, there was a bunch of bad press. So her mom was essentially, like, you're doing time out at the lake house. Um, so she's, like, at the lake house by herself. At, and there's, like... She's at the lake house where her husband died. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh. To okay. keep her out of the spotlight and help her recover from her alcoholism. Let's send her to the place where her trauma occurred. Exactly um anyway so she has like two neighbors on either side of her um one's like the flirty neighbor and one's like a friend of the family and then across the lake is uh an ex-model and her husband who's like a big tech bro um you know whatever we love the tech bros um do we (laughs) no we don't and essentially what happens is the main character, her name's Casey, rescues Catherine, who is the ex-model wife, 
from drowning. She saves her from drowning in the lake one day. Um, and so they kind of become friends. The, like, Catherine's kind of strange. Like, you can tell something's kind of off. She hints to, like, her marriage isn't doing well. And, like, the husband isn't great. So, basically what happens is, like, Catherine just mysteriously disappears one day. And Casey's, like, convinced it's the husband. Because it turns out Catherine has, like, all the money in the relationship. So, Casey's convinced mm. it's the husband. And she spends, like, the entire book trying to prove that it's him. And flirty neighbor helps here and there. So I get like 90% through this book. And she's like convinced. Like her full theory is Tom has been slowly poisoning Catherine. And she's convinced like Catherine is dead. He murdered her. And she's trying to get proof of that. And then at some point it comes up that friendly neighbor was like in love with or flirty neighbor was like in love with Catherine. So then for a minute you think it's him. And I'm like, oh, that'd be a kind of nice twist. Flirty neighbor was in love with Catherine, but flirt, he was flirting with the main character as well. Yes, but he was in love with Catherine before. Like it was all in the past. He was like, no, like it's not what you think. Like he, he had like hidden the fact that they were close. Um, and so I was like, oh, that could be a good twist. Like, if it ends up being him, like, I'd be satisfied with that. Mm-hmm. Again, like, I don't have high expectations for this book. Anyway. <laughs> so. Is it, like, well-written? Eh. It's just an easy read. It's, yeah. It's, like, no big deal. Okay. I kind I kind of did no, like I get the that. character development at times. Like, I felt like yeah. it was very put together and I could really visualize, like, what I was reading. Mm-hmm. um but anyway so i'm like almost done with this book and it's all very like strict crime novel like there's nothing out of the ordinary and then i get to like the last little bit of it and um casey eventually finds Catherine, who is still alive and tied up oh i forgot to mention one thing this is really important sorry I knew I was going to mess this up. You're good. Um, a detective that's helping Casey try to figure out what's happening to Catherine reveals that, like, there are a bunch of uh, murder- murders of young girls in the area. So they think they're looking for a serial Ooh. killer at the same time. And they think potentially it could be Tom, who is the husband. Okay. So that's just kind of a detail that's in there um, in the mix. But. She finds Catherine, who is alive, and, like, Tom has her tied up in, like, one of the abandoned houses. And Casey's, he's, like, feeding her. He's just keeping her down there. Um, But he was Mm -hmm. also, like, posting from her social media as if she was alive. (gasps) And, yeah, so it's like, okay, so it was him, right? And so Casey, like, finds Catherine, and Tom's down there, too, is, like, confronting him. She's like, well, like, I knew it. What are you doing? He's like, no, you don't understand. I'm trying to keep her safe, and I'm trying to keep everyone else safe. And Casey's like, what are you talking about? He's like, that's not Catherine. But, like, it clearly was Catherine. Basically, when Catherine drowned in the lake that day, Casey's husband's soul entered her. (gasps) So for the whole rest of the book... Catherine is the husband is like possessed by the husband weird and so I got there I was like are you kidding me like it turned very like cringy sci-fi towards the end it sounds like a worse version of get out yeah it like was not it was like okay 
But then (laughs) you find out that the husband was the serial killer. (gasps) Casey found out about it and she drowned him. I'm on Casey's side in this. (laughs) But then, so the rest, I feel like I'm doing another Am I the Asshole? (laughs) I know. (laughs) Anyway, so basically the rest of the book was really cringy and really cheesy and it honestly like strayed so far away that I was like, I want to like this and I can't at all. Um, Mm -hmm. But essentially like also the souls can enter other people. Like he can breathe his soul into her. Um, So she has Um, him do that. I hate when they like break the rules that they are initially like initially set. Like he... He entered her because she was drowning in the lake, and he also drowned in the lake. But now he can breathe on anyone, and they're him. Right. So That's weird. Um, essentially, it ends, like, Casey, because she killed him, like, the girls who were murdered never got justice. So she was like, okay, mm-hmm. well, like, he's back, so I'm going to have him show me where the bodies are so I can, like, get some closure for these families. And then she has him have his soul enter, like, she tricks him into taking his soul and tries to drown herself. Um, And then Catherine, who comes back as real Catherine, once the soul is gone, saves Casey from drowning. So the husband's soul is back in the lake. Oh. So that- Did they find the bodies? They did. And, like, that's all- Okay, Okay. She's making dinner in her house, like, it's great, her family's there, story's done, right? Mm Mm-hmm wrong she's in her kitchen by herself like doing whatever reminiscing when she like puts a clue together, reminiscing on killing her husband i guess and getting possessed by him again and she puts something together where she realizes like holy shit tom was trying to poison Catherine still and of course like right when she realizes that she goes to call someone and it's like i wouldn't do that if i were you and he's like behind her with a knife like, so, like, essentially, he was trying to poison Catherine, but then all the weird stuff happened at the same time. So he was still oh. trying to get away with it. Um, That's anyway, too much. <laughs> Casey kills him in self-defense, and his soul also enters the lake. How about just sell that house? <laughs> yeah, anyway. Let's so, sell that lake house and get out of there. Sorry, I spent so much time talking about this book, and I just fully spoiled it for everyone, which is, like, kind of evil, but also, you don't need to be reading that, honestly. I, yeah, I kind especially of if made it's, like, me, not good writing. It made me okay. hate everything. I don't, like, I was so, I, like, called my mom and ran to her for, like, 30 minutes before I even finished the book. Like, once I got to that <laughs> part, because I was so upset, because I was like, no way this is real. But it was, like, real. And he tried to run it. It was like he ran out of ideas for this book. I know. I just hate when it's like they try to like keep shocking you. And then at this point, it's like it it doesn't even make sense anymore. I love a twist, but it needs to make sense. And the whole book up until that point was like very realistic. Mm -hmm. So like for them to throw that at you, like possession. Yeah, don't throw something supernatural like in the last 20 pages. Right. And there were like no... Even, like, he would try, he would bring up details from earlier in the book to be like, oh, this could allude to, like, no one is going to guess that someone's soul is, you know, like, yeah, he's, like, pulling stuff out of his ass trying to make it make sense. I know. If you don't plant things earlier well, like, 
it's not gonna make sense in the end right anyway i spent uh over 10 minutes talking about that but i just really wanted to because it was wild yep definitely but sometimes no it is good to read just like a a quick read not the best book you've ever read but still yeah. good true all right let's get well into i'm sorry it. you felt betrayed it's okay um i really did i have trust issues now but that's okay all right um today we're going to talk about attachment styles and attachment theory um it's something we're both interested in very psychology we've yeah i know like what i learned a lot about this in my social work class and i had done a little bit of research on it before just because i don't know in our friendship i feel like we talk about it a lot we do i've also like this is something that I notice a lot in my own life and like being mm-hmm. able to notice it and kind of find coping skills and strategies to like counteract it. Um, yeah. And I've had like therapists talk to me about it too. So like it's something that comes up a lot for me. Um, I yeah. actually am waiting for a book from the library called Detached, which is about attachment styles. And one Ooh. of my therapists two years ago told me to read it and then I never did. Um, mm. But I'm kind of in the mood for something like that. Anyway yeah so so i'll just explain like what attachment theory is before we get into it because we each like kind of researched each other's attachment style um so um the idea for modern attachment theory came out of john bowlby i don't know if that's how you say his last name it's b double i mean whoa (laughs) sorry it's late b-o-w-l-b-y I love that this is the um, episode we're trying to do late at night. I know. Like, the one, like, informational, educational one, we're doing it this late. Maybe we'll okay. do a part two. Yeah. Maybe we'll have our thoughts in order. Um, I'm just going to say Bowlby. Uh, the theory right. came out of his acknowledgement of Freud's theories. So, he didn't, like, completely agree, but he did, like, realize the, like, connection or correlation between, like parent-child relationships to adult relationships later in life so how it's similar how a infant and their caregiver main caregiver the way they interact will kind of come up again in their adult relationships once the once the infant is grown up um and i just wanted to note that the theory is still like not fully formed just because there's not enough research on like the adult side of that like how how attachment styles can be passed down and how like when that infant grows up you know how do they can they change their attachment style there's a lot of debate on whether they can change the attachment style whether it's just something that stays the same um so he called it bowlby called it attachment behavioral system bowlby's um theory was that children come into the world biologically pre-programmed to form attachments so like before they're even born they're kind of like their attachment styles already set and predetermined and like there's not much they can do to change that that theory has kind of been debunked and disregarded um but a lot of his other work is has been really useful Um, i would uh, say most people don't agree with that now they kind of talk about early experiences in childhood, how a child reacts and interacts with their parents or caregiver. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be like your 
your parent. It could be like an uncle or, you know, a relative or just like a adult figure in your life um, who has significantly shaped the way you view relationships and the way a child reacts to getting their needs met. That's that on Bowlby. He he paved the way, but he didn't fully hit the mark by um, talking about predetermined attachment style. Mary Ainsworth, she's important to note. She gets left out a lot, but she was the one because she's a woman. The women always get left out because she's a woman. She is the one who kind of said, "Well, actually, I think it's the child's attachment style depends on their mother's behavior towards them." And she just said, mother, I would say any caregiver. Um, so the the biggest experiment that was done for attachment styles is the little baby, baby example. Have you heard of this before? I have, yeah. Basically, um, a baby's reaction to their parents' departure and return says a lot about how the baby is used to their caregiver attending to their needs. So what they did was they had the baby in a room and their parent was in there with them the parent left for an extended amount of time and then came back and they recorded the baby's mood and behavior with the parent in the room when the parent left and when the parent came back this study says that babies who are securely attached understand their parent as someone they can rely on so they become concerned when they go and are comforted when they come back so secure attachment style nothing's really wrong you feel secure in your relationship you're going to freak out a little bit when your parent leaves. When they come back, you're comforted. There's anxious, avoidant, and disorganized, which is kind of, there's no way to predict behavior. It's all over the place. It's erratic. And it usually comes from a big place of trauma. Mm-hmm. So if there's repeated trauma throughout childhood, you're most likely going to have a disorganized attachment style. No, anxious um, and avoidant are the two most common. Those are the ones yeah. that are... 58% of adults are securely attached. Let's raise that number, folks. <laughs> so 42% of us <laughs> are messed up. Anxious attachment style. The babies who tended to have this anxious attachment, when their parents would leave, they would get really, really stressed out. When their parents would come back and comfort comfort them, they were still stressed out. Like they weren't, they weren't comforted by their parents there because they were worried that they would leave again, or like they just didn't have a sense of comfort or Guess who that was when their parent returned. Guess who yeah. gave all the daycare people <laughs> hell all the time and all the babysitters. And then avoidant kind of didn't really have a reaction no matter what the parents did. So they seemed unfazed. Independent. When the parent left, they seemed unfazed and almost like standoffish when the parent arrived. So that's kind of the study. Um, Disorganized attachment styles were all over the place. There wasn't really a way to determine. Keeping that in mind, research has shown that attachment styles can affect adult relationships later in life, like communication. The risk of relationship violence, especially I feel like... Uh, anxious attachment styles mm-hmm. I feel like there's a higher there's a higher chance of abuse in those relationships and then overall marriage quality so do you want to talk about avoidant first or should I go into anxious I can go into avoidant what are you on first 
We're tired girls. Okay. Sleepy. So, um, I got a lot of my information on uh, avoidant attachment styles um, from the attachment project. I like this website a lot. It talks about all the attachment styles. Um, you could take a little quiz if you want to know which one you have. Um, and then they also have like some coping things you can do if you'd like. Mm-hmm. Um, so avoidant attachment style, also known as avoidant dismissive. Um, and in childhood, it was hey. often referred to as anxious avoidant. Um, but yeah, uh, avoidant or dismissive. It's said with the theory of, uh, the effect of, like, parents and caregivers, um, this says that parents who are strict and emotionally distant, um, don't tolerate feelings that well, have certain expectations for their child to be super independent, um, and tough, um, kind of, you know, not, I don't want to say not nurturing, but kind of, like, dismisses feelings or is kind of like that's life get over it. you know like just doesn't really yeah entertain the full expanse of a child's emotions and their needs emotionally um and then kind of promote their independence to a little bit of uh extreme or a child who just grows up super independent um can end up with an avoidant attachment style um as adults uh, these people appear super confident and self-sufficient and independent, um, but they don't really tolerate emotional or physical intimacy well um, and might not be able to build healthy relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, in a workplace or school setting, they're seen as the independent lone wolf, which, you know, that can be a good or or a bad thing. So, yeah, that's a very, like, generalized way mm-hmm. you could maybe view avoidant attachment styles also i don't know if we preface this this is lucy's attachment style she's an avoidant hey, an avoidant hey. girly um also none of these are a bad thing i feel like we like yeah it can be it's really... not necessarily like obviously attachment styles can affect your relationships and make them a lot harder but also like parents have so many different styles of raising children that like no parent is going to get it right. Right. It's um, also like, this is not for us to say that our parents did anything wrong or it's their fault. Like, no. it's just. Because I had an amazing childhood right. and I was, exactly. I was Me so too. like lucky it's in also, the parents that I got. Like, it's your teachers. It's like, it's just the way you were influenced growing up. You know, there's yeah. no, I do like the theory of uh, child adult uh, caregiver relationships affecting it. But honestly, like I'm more interested to see if that theory develops so we can see more of an environmental approach and less like yeah it's just your mother or something like that Mm -hmm. especially because I mean if you think about it like so much of our time as a child is spent in school Mm -hmm. so I would be interested to see like how much of that was influenced by your teachers or your peers or just any adult role model that you looked up to as a child or was in charge of you? I'm really interested to know, like, how peers affect it. Because I know, especially through middle and high school, like, I had a lot of friendships, relationships, like, things that, like, the way I went about those or was treated in those most definitely affected, like, how I kind of deal with those things now. Um, yeah, which again no, could stem from childhood as well, but yeah. I'm I'm interested to see kind of the development of that theory. Um, anyway, 
There's a lot of debate on whether or not you can change your attachment style. And I think whether you can or not, you can do, you can learn to live with it and learn to catch yourself when you start slipping into, oh, this is making me anxious. Like, I'm just going to bail. <laughs> like, I'm, yes. I'm just going to clock yeah. out, say I'm goodbye definitely, to this relationship. Yeah, I'm definitely like much more confident in how I handle it but I also do have phases of life where it just kind of like comes out terribly um yeah Lucy's seen a few of those (laughs) um okay um some more symptoms of avoidant attachment in adults um might be pretty social and easygoing uh fun to be around so might have a lot of friends or partners so they're not necessarily alone or lonely Um, But they tend to be super independent with high self-esteem and don't really rely on others for reassurance or emotional support, which to other people can come off as avoidant. Like, that's really the only word for it. Mm -hmm. And then also we'll get into this more, like, we've seen this with each other. I'm anxious, you're avoidant. If an avoidant attachment style is uh, really at, at play, um to an anxiously attached person mm-hmm. that can get their that can Does affect that the way they think yeah, yeah. No. and vice I, versa yeah in my class they kind of talked about how anxious and avoidant are always like attracted to each other yeah and they really shouldn't be because it's just gonna make them sink into their styles even more and affect because if you have someone avoiding and ha- and you have someone who like needs reassurance that's that's not going to work i think um, there definitely is like if you're aware of it and taking steps to like really say what your needs are and kind of set boundaries with those people i think it's doable um yeah cuz we like all we got to do is talk about it yeah we have you had know? some moments of like both of us not doing well at the same time and you get super avoidant and I get super and anxious super anxious and like mm-hmm. please I need you um <laughs> but yeah you know just kind of expressing that and yeah and figuring out something that works for both of you yeah especially like if you're avoidant recognizing your needs are not the only thing that needs to be met in a relationship and so mm-hmm trying to stay present in a relationship is hard but it's it's vital if you want to keep people in your life yeah also with anxious attachment it's hard to like it's hard to self-reassure that's something yeah i've been working on a lot um reassurance is like it's really hard um yeah anyway you'll you'll talk about that though um also I did just want to say before we continue, like, not every single one of these, like, traits is going to apply to everyone. Like, everyone's going to be yeah. different. This is um, all very generalized. Because I did see a lot of things that said that really avoidant people have negative views of other people and, like, positive self-views. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like that doesn't apply to me at all. <laughs> um, so I feel like it's not you i feel like anytime we try to put people into a box right it's not gonna fit for everyone so like right 
these aren't actually the only two attachment styles ever. Everyone's going to be slightly different. But if we're trying to categorize people, these are the the traits that we see most in people. I think we need to drop yeah. everything we're doing and, like, just become psychologists and, like, do work on attachment <laughs> styles. Because um, this is really fun. Um, it is really fun. I love doing little educational ones. Also, again, why did we choose to do job. this one late at night? But I know, we're killing we it. Really... It's okay. I think we should do. I mean, we'll keep going. Um, you can leave, take this out if you want. But I think we should do a part two at some point, especially if I read that book. Um, yeah, I could take some notes. We could do a part two. Um, yeah, just because. I mean, we talk about it all the time. Um, and yeah. it's something that I'm always looking into. I think it's super interesting. Anyway. Um, yeah. Especially like um, as you get older and you want to know more about yourself and like understand where your feelings or your habits are coming from. It's really nice to know what your attachment style is and where it comes from so that you can better your relationships later in life. Yeah. I think... Everyone, like, kind of, self-work happens at different points in everyone's life. Mm-hmm. Um, for some reason, I decided I need to do so much of it at one time. Um, <laughs> Let's anyway, knock it out so, before we reach 25. Yeah, you know? Anyway, so this is, you know, this is just something. Also, like, stuff like this can really help me and so many other people feel seen. Like, I feel the same yeah. with, like, Enneagram and personality quizzes and even Zodiac. Like, I feel understood and understand that there's a yeah. reason behind kind of the way I think. It makes yeah, me feel like I have a little with, like, bit more control. Yeah, with anxiety especially, like, you're having all these, like, racing crazy thoughts. You tend to think, like, I'm crazy. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm alone in this. And no one else has ever thought like this, like, I'm crazy for acting this way or, like, needing this much reassurance. But it's just not true. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just a part of us. Um, this last little bit I'll talk about before you do anxious. Um, this is about how avoidant adults behave in friendships and relationships. Um, for a lot of them, social interactions and bonds um, remain mostly on the surface. If they do go below that. It, it takes a bit to get there mm-hmm. where it takes some like real work um it has to become super deep these types of people may let you be around them but may not always let you in they tend to avoid strong displays of closeness and intimacy they avoid um and as soon as things get serious they're likely to kind of close off and like back yeah. into the corner a little bit um at this point you know people might end relationships because you know if someone is coming to avoid a partner and saying, like, you're pissing me off, <laughs> why Why is this happening? <laughs> that avoidant person is only going to become more avoidant in some yeah. situations. Um, So they start drifting and distancing themselves. Not all of this is to say, like, here's your attachment style and, like, all your friendships and relationships are doomed. That's not it at yeah. all. This is just, No, like, it's just, like, it's good to be aware of your tendencies and to yeah. know when to, like, catch yourself in that. Right. Um, not to say everything's going to fail because it's not true. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They're avoidant. I don't know what else to say. Um, avoidant and distance. They're avoidant. (laughs) They're avoidant. Um, really just people who like self-rely and don't really open up to other people and rely on other people. 
um yeah that's what i got yeah that was so good thanks okay let me talk about anxious attachment style which is let's let lucy if you didn't out (laughs) if you didn't get the hint this is amelia's attachment style um yes it is Hey, hey. I think if so, I think if you know nothing about attachment styles, like someone would still be able to peg my attachment style. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So this is a quote from one of the articles. Um. I'll have them linked down below. I don't remember which one this is. It says, "Quote: Anxiety assesses the degree to which individuals worry about being underappreciated or abandoned by their romantic partners." Highly anxious individuals are heavily invested in their relationships, and they yearn to get closer to their partners emotionally to feel more secure. Anxious individuals harbor negative self-views and guarded but hopeful views of their romantic partners. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) (laughs) You know. Whatever. (laughs) So, it's kind of obvious by the name. They get really nervous in relationships. They're the kind of person who constantly needs reassurance is always checking in making sure they're good we're good we're okay yeah um i feel like if you have a friend who constantly asks are you mad at me like are we okay you get it. i feel no. like they've got anxious attachment style yeah Give them this some is love. friendships too like i know a lot of the research is yeah no relationships but i've seen this in friendships more almost definitely especially because like our generation the time in our lives when we get into relationships has been pushed back so late. Um, I don't know if you've heard that research, but like people are getting into relationships and having their first relationships later and later. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, at least from my point of view, I have a lot of really close friends. And most of the people I know have a lot of really close friendships before they even have romantic relationships so I feel like this applies just as much if not more to all kinds of friendships platonic relationships as well Mm -hmm. Um, yeah so anxious individuals typically question their worth worry about losing their partners um they remain super like hyper aware and vigilant of signs that their partners might be like pulling away from them or like suddenly feeling different about the relationship women are more likely to have um anxious attachment styles than men are which honestly doesn't surprise me just with like our culture and the way that men are taught and the way that women are taught um because i don't know we don't really have to get into the whole like men are raised thinking that like having sex is like a a really big goal to reach and it's awesome and if you could do it with more people the better Mm -hmm. and like it's a prize and and women are taught like it's very sacred and special and like you need to find one person and if you don't you're a slut yeah (laughs) so also like like just the way the way that we view relationships and the way that men get into relationships versus women is so different sorry no go ahead this is just making me even more interested about like a social aspect on attachment styles developing yeah because everything you just said is like societal constructs and like the way we're kind of 
told not even directly by caregivers or parents but just by like the world and the way things are presented Mm -hmm. to us of like especially with gender stereotypes like this is what it is and yeah so I'm anyway I just I'm I'm not even kidding I think the next theory needs to be the Amelia theory the Amelia the babble theory literally Um, literally (laughs) I also think like just thinking about how I don't know if this plays into it at all, but I've been thinking recently because I don't know what I was, I was watching something and it talked about like having children and how Mm. women are really encouraged to settle down early and have children because they're basically a ticking time bomb. Like once you reach a certain age, you won't be able to. And men are encouraged to like sleep around and um, like wait till way later in life to have children. So I can see how women are, do tend to have more anxious attachment styles and relationships and are insecure about their partner leaving or just not having safety in the relationship and being to being able to rely on partners and of course Mm -hmm. this is just talking about straight relationships that's a whole nother thing we could talk about is anxious attachment and attachment styles in straight versus queer relationships so it's interesting it opens up a lot more questions I know. I feel like we need to do a part two. Okay. We are pretty, (laughs) we are pretty, getting pretty long. So I feel like we can wrap it up there. We'll have the links copied down below. You can also just go into Google Scholar. If you're college, go to JSTOR, Mm -hmm. look up attachment styles, try to figure out where you fall in that. And maybe you could do a little self-reflection. Yeah. Also, we will definitely like keep tabs on new information we find um mm-hmm. if there's anything we want to share again i think we should definitely i think it'd be fun to look into how queer versus straight relationships and attachment styles and how those work yeah. um mm-hmm. and then also and like a little more casually talking about each other yeah i think could be cool too yeah no definitely we should do a part two when we're mm-hmm. not half asleep yeah, sorry guys. But sorry if it sounded a little rambly. I, We're trying I think our we best here. I need to get the podcast up in just a few hours. <laughs> you honestly, if this needs to come out tomorrow night, that's totally fine. They yeah, can wait. I'm not, I'm not too stressed about it. Y'all um, can wait. You can also wait because we have so much coming at you next week. Lucy gets here yeah. on Tuesday. Um in-person episodes possibly a video episode possibly um we're special guests special guests Ah. very excited oh thank you for being like i don't know i feel like we got a lot of listens on our last episode we rose in the ranks i like that of our episodes um but yeah yeah we have lots of fun stuff coming anywho thank you so much for listening we'll see you Um, soon We'll see you very soon with a lot of fun things coming. We love you. Go journal about your attachment styles. Journal about your attachment styles. Do some self-reflection. Meditate out in nature. Get off your phone. Learn more about yourself. All right. Hell yeah. We love you. Okay. Goodbye.